of the Line, Episode 19, Naomi. I think Darren suspects. Or maybe I know he suspects. I get confused. But what do I say if he asks me? But then, would he ask? Could you ask someone that? Could you ask someone if they'd done that to themselves? I mean, there are other ways, other options. I could have the whole thing sorted inside an afternoon. Would he ask why I didn't do that instead of... doing this? She'll go out of it. They all do. Don't worry. I heard that a lot. Or rather, I overheard it. As far as I recall, nobody ever said that to me directly. She's just a kid. So she likes playing in the mud. She's a tomboy. A tomboy. Tom. Boy. Why do we do that? Why do we give names to girls who act differently to the way we're supposed to? And while we're here, why are we supposed to act in a particular way at all? I was a good kid. Depending on who you ask. A normal, happy kid. Turn your back for a moment and I'd find a way to get dirty. Apparently I could spot a muddy puddle from a thousand yards. That's quite a skill. My granddad said that if he wanted me to eat something, he'd tell me he'd found it in the mud. <laughs> I loved mud. I loved sand and soil. You can find worms in soil. My granddad told me that if I found a worm, then the birds would eat it if I left it out for them. I always wondered why the birds should get it instead of me. If you pull a worm at either end, you make two worms. Both ends start moving. When you're four, that blows your mind. When you're 16 and still doing it, they call the council. You're not a tomboy. You're a danger to yourself and others. You clearly haven't grown out of it. I don't know if my stepmom ever realised why we couldn't keep pets alive for longer than a few weeks. How long does a hamster last? How old should a budgie be before it falls off the perch? Grandad had one of those glass display cases full of insects. He collected them. Butterflies, moths, beetles. He wouldn't let me put the budgie in the case. He said it wasn't appropriate. In care, I wasn't allowed to have a relationship. I wasn't allowed to be around boys. They didn't want me getting pregnant. Not because I was too young, but because I was me. But when I turned 18, nobody gave a damn. I could do what I wanted. Be with whoever I wanted. His name was Joe. He had a flower stall at the market. I think he was relieved when I miscarried. I don't think he ever really saw himself as a father. When it happened, people told me I shouldn't blame myself. They said anyone could trip. It's the easiest thing in the world to trip over. And they're right. It is. But it's different when you mean to do it. It's not easy to stand at the top of a flight of stairs and just... Let go. I think about Grandad's collection a lot. 
all those glass cases, all that death. When I heard that I couldn't be allowed to get pregnant because, well, you know, it was as if they'd put me in one of those cases. People would come and stare at me, ask questions, ask me to look at funny pictures and describe what I was looking at. They wouldn't tell me what it was for. My social worker told me it was just routine. Routine. For them, maybe. For me, it felt like I was being told I was some kind... Some kind of monster. My social worker wasn't allowed to see me without someone else being in the room. Just in case. When I miscarried, people would whisper. Say things behind my back. I think Joe got more attention than I did. He'd come in and talk to me, tell me things that I know he'd been told to say by other people. He had no idea I was the one who used to cut the heads off his flowers at the market. He had no idea what I was capable of doing. But to be honest, neither did I. I still don't, if I'm honest. Or maybe I just can't bring myself to admit it. When we split, Joe said I needed to get some help. He said whatever I needed, he couldn't give it to me. I didn't think I needed anything. Sometimes you don't realise you need help. I thought I was doing the right thing. End it now before what might happen happens. But how do you explain that to someone? After a while... Joe became Chris, then Matt, and now Darren. Poor Darren. He deserves so much better. He's the only person I ever met who didn't try and put me in a glass display case. When we lost her at ten weeks, he was amazing. So supportive, so loving. God, if only he knew. He once said he could forgive me anything. At first I thought it was one of those things that you just say, like I love you, when you don't or when you think it's what they want to hear. But over time I realised he was trying to tell me something. And I think it's that he knows. Knows what happened last time. And now, according to the piss-stained piece of plastic in the bathroom bin, it might happen again. I'm sorry for Darren. I really am. I can't be allowed to have it. I can't be allowed to have anything. What if I harm it? That's what they said. I had them. They said they couldn't let that happen. They knew what I was capable of doing, and I think they're right. Grandad said they would help me, but all they did was put me in a display case. I don't think they really wanted to help. It didn't feel like help. It felt intrusive, judgmental, like they were accusing me. Even though it was years ago, I still think about the questions they asked me. Like they'd already made their minds up about who I was. Maybe that isn't fair. I don't know. Maybe that's just how it felt. But this feels different. Joe was spot on. 
I do need help. That's why I'm here. Naomi was played by Jennifer Martin. The episode was written and directed by Mark Haywood. Casting by Sydney Aldridge. Production support by Lynn McConway. Music by Daisy Chute and Carrie Ann from The Herd Collective. The episode was recorded at The Sound Company in London and edited by Pocket Blockbuster. The End of the Line is an Ink Jockey production. But this is not the end of my life.